0: You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Tov, and uh, welcome to another week of Soul to Soul on Chai FM. It's Top of the Pops. I have the privilege of talking to you some words of Torah early on in the week. On a Monday, we are going to be doing and continuing learning Tehillim, Psalms, the book of Psalms. We're doing chapter 119. But before we get into that, would love some feedback about the Shabbos project. Hey, how did you guys find it? I, I was thinking on, on Friday night, you know, just imagine, imagine a million people, a world movement doing the same thing. And what a powerful thing to do. What a powerful thing to do for Shabbos is the mainstay of the Jewish people. It's one of the things that just sets us apart. Um, and it was really, really incredible just to feel the vibe around around Joburg, and, um, I do live in a very Jewish area, just watching people coming and going, Hey, where are you going? I'm going to a street party. Where are you going? We're going to the dark tish. Where are you eating? What are you doing? Some people chose to keep very, very low prof- profiles and, and, uh, keep shoppers quietly at home, which, which was great. And other people really got involved in all the various, uh, social activities. And wherever it was, it just felt like there was such a special, special, feeling in the air, in the atmosphere, in the environment, in, in, in what the people were doing, just standing on queue at the shops on Friday and everybody is busy, was busy buying stuff. It was absolutely incredible. And uh, if you've got any comment or you'd like to say something that really, really touched you about the Shabbos project or something that you learned from it or that changed something within you, please be my guest. Please SMS on 34519 or you can give us a call on... 010 oh, 140 oh, oh, 3020. Oh, oh, you can WhatsApp on 061 895 1019. And of course, there's always the good old fashioned email on air on air at com. <clears throat> so while we're waiting for some, maybe some comments to come in, let's get stuck into what we do best. And that's learning Torah. And more specifically on my show, let's get a greater appreciation, more appreciation, a, a, a deeper understanding of the words of King David, our, our really our famous king. I think out of all, all the kings in Jewish history, King David certainly is top of the pops. He's the one that uh, epitomizes at the end. Not only a king and, and royalty, even though King Solomon was very wise, King David is very, very very human, he went through many trials Many tribulations, many struggles And obstacles um, And he was a guy that kind of like Talks to your own heart because In his words, in his prayers Through the book of Tehillim in particular You see yourself, you see yourself When, when you're maybe finding yourself in a dark place or you're finding yourself wanting to express happiness, joy, gratitude, there is a Tehillim for everybody. Um, And as always, I encourage, and this is why I'm doing it on the radio, encouraging people to pick up the book of Tehillim and say Tehillim, for our rabbis have taught, if you understood the power of Tehillim, the barriers it can break, the blessings it can bring, the changes it can make, you wouldn't walk around without a Tehillim. You'd be saying it the whole day, every day, at every spare moment. So don't be shy. There's Tehillim that you can get, little pocket Tehillims, there's bigger Tehillims, there's Tehillim on your iPhone and on your iPad, there's Tehillim transliterated, there's everything that you need. Ignorance and excuses have no place. Pick up a book of Tehillim and say a capital. Say a chapter. If you don't know which chapters to say, there's always your own personal chapter, which is your birthday Year plus one, because say if you've turned twenty, you're actually in your twenty-first year. So you'll say chapter twenty-one. If you've turned sixty-three, you will say chapter sixty-four because you're in your sixty-fourth year, etc. Or alternatively, the Tehillim is divided up into days of the month, days of the week. There's many many ways that you can say Tehillim, and um, most Tehillim today explain how to actually go about saying it. So. Please, don't be shy. Say some to, to Hillim for us or our, Tell him. Or our missiles. They're spiritual, fantastic nuclear missiles of spirituality that clear a lot of the road, clear out a lot of the darkness, and um, we must never, ever, ever, ever underestimate its power. Having said that, we can go into chapter 119, we're on to the 10th week that we're learning chapter 119, because as you know already, chapter 119 is divided into the letters of the alphabet, so we're on to the 10th letter now, um, the letter Yud, and those are the verses of 73 to, let me just have a look over here, 73 to 80, 73 to 80, that's eight verses, all starting with the letter Yud. Now, um, the letter Yud in, in in Judaism, as you know, each and every single letter in and of itself is very, very important. And very interestingly, many, many times a letter is actually made up of other letters. And let me explain. Yud isn't one of those Because Yud is the tiniest of all the letters It looks like a a little comma Okay, it's got a little crown A little dot on top And it comes down almost into a comma It is the smallest of all the letters um, And that in and of itself has great significance Which we will get into shortly But just to explain further That certain letters are made up of letters Let's take the letter Aleph If you look very, very closely at the letter Aleph, you will see that what what do we have? We have a diagonal line going from top left to bottom right, and then we have like a little hook on the right-hand side, and an upsound little hook on the left bottom. But if you look really closely, and, and it's best to look in a, a Sefer Torah or in a mezuzah, something that is written authentically by a sofer, by a person who writes these letters, you will see that the letter Aleph is actually made up of two yuds and a vav. The vav is the diagonal that runs from top left to bottom right, and then the two yuds, the top little Right hand corner that has a like little cuppy that's one yud and then the upside, upside down yud is on the other side. So if you look at more complicated letters, you will see, for example, a bet is the letter resh with a vav at the bottom. Okay, so many, many of the letters are actually composites of much simpler letters, yud being one of the simple letters, vav being another. Of the simple letters and so forth and so on, that in and of itself is a discussion and there are many many times um, where we will look and try to understand the secrets of Torah and in understanding there are times that we need to zoom in and look at the how the, how the letter is made up on a micro uh, in, a, in a micro way to actually understand what it is that it's saying <clears throat> so the Talmud teaches that. The world to come was created with the letter yud, and since it was the smallest of all letters, it is the smallest of the letters. The the rabbis ask, why is the world to come that world that we enter into after this physical world? Why is it the? Um, why was it created by the yud? Because, says the Talmud, a relatively small number of people will be righteous enough to merit all its rewards. And uh, the Talmud in Shabbos continues and says, the letter Yud stands for the word Yerusha. Yerusha is an inheritance, meaning that the righteous who follow God and put themselves in his hands um, and do what God wants And them to do in this world, they will inherit good fortune for themselves, for their descendants, and of course they will also inherit the world to come. So the letter Yud, pretty, pretty small. The smallest thing, smallest letter that you can find. But on the other hand, the, the rewards, the, the prizes, so to speak, that we reap from, um, fulfilling God's Torah, um, is like the Yud, it looks minuscule in this world, we don't really understand the enormity of it, but when we get to the world to come, we see a Yerusha, we see an inheritance of all the Torah and mitzvahs that we have managed to fulfill, and even um, more so, the Torah promises us that um, we also inherit good fortune for ourselves in this world, and also... For our descendants, but like the little yud, we kind of like see ourselves as insignificant, as small. As gee, how are we going to change the world? How are things going to change? And uh, that little little letter yud comes to tell us, you ain't insignificant. Um, just putting in a little bit of effort will open up vistas of of enormous potential, um, enormous reward, and enormous blessing into our lives. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back and uh, let's get stuck now into the letter Yud and let's see what King David has to tell us. He starts with verse seventy-three as follows Yadecha Asuni Vaichonuni, your hands have made me and prepared me. Havineni ve elmuda mitzvotecha. Make me understand so that I may learn your commandments. So the first thing that's very interesting is that God, that King David says, Your hands have made me and prepared me, meaning that, God, you you perfected me physically in every part of my body, and you prepared me, meaning that you endowed, you gave me spiritual endowments and intellectual gifts. Um, and as we all know, and we learned just a couple of weeks ago from the book of Bereshit, God was kind enough to create us in his own image so we're basically a semblance of the divine. In one way you could ask what does God look like? What does how is God expressed um you can look at a human being because it says that a human being is an Ilam katan. He's a miniature world. Meaning that everything that we find in the world you will find in the human being. And because the human being is a spot spark of godliness, you will find the expression of godliness. The midrash um, actually states that David said, What a vessel what when is a vessel when is a vessel beautiful who glorifies in it? Certainly the artisan Who made it? So David said, I am the vessel, and you, God, are the craftsman. Make me beautiful so that all who behold me may praise you. And in addition, David said, grant me understanding. What did David mean? Like a wine cast into which no wine is poured until it is lined and pitched, so too do I ask, line me with pitch and then pour wine into me. Pet refer, refers to understanding, and wine to learning. And learning that is not protected and preserved by comprehension and understanding will eventually get lost or deteriorated, like unprotected wine. So, really, what David, what King David, is saying here is that he is recognizing that God is his handyman. God created him both physically and both spiritually, and that we need to align ourselves with that's that this imprint with this building it's almost as if you you create a building say you're building a, a school um, and you're putting in the classrooms and you're putting in the bunk uh, the 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 lockers and you're putting in the staff room and you're putting all of this and then you go and say well you know what we don't want to really use it for a school let's use it for a shopping center it's not going to work in order for the school to reach its potential you have to fill it with the people who are going to use it um its potential put in pupils put in teachers put in a principal put in a you know a gymnasium where, where the kids are going to practice things it's not going to work as a shopping center and vice versa it's with anything in life if you use it for what it's created for then you are elevating it and using it for its correct purpose it's good it's correct it's purposeful and we're using the world the world correctly a very Sad state of affairs is that today we are taking so much that we have around us, including ourselves, our bodies, our minds, and who we are, and we're using it in the wrong way. And that really is largely the reason why we see today so much negativity around, so much going wrong, so many things not working both physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because we're taking our God-given world, which has a plan. God sat down like an architect, worked out every inch, every millimeter of what everything is supposed to be, including you. And he gave purpose to each and every one. And due to our free choice, man has decided not to use all our created um, usages properly. We've gone and, and, and used it in a bad way, and eventually these things kick back on us. They, they, they don't work. They work partially. They bring pain. They, they do all, all, all the stuff that is really, really uncomfortable. Now, what's a very interesting thing also is that God created our entire body to be compatible with the the spiritual, with that which was the architectural plans, meaning the Torah. So the, the entire body follows a pattern of mitzvahs. The entire body is compatible with the spiritual demands made upon it. And how do we know that? Because God created 248 limbs and organs. And these 248 limbs and organs correspond to the 248 positive commandments that are found in the Torah. We know we have 613 mitzvahs, 248 positive 365 negative so if you want you have nothing better to to do today go and count all your limbs and organs you'll see you have 248 of them and similarly it says that God created 365 sinews which correspond to the 365 negative commandments and so we have the ability to be in perfect harmony in perfect balance body and soul when we f- fulfill the mitzvahs, we have the wherewithal, we have the machinery. If we want to go to school, we have a school building. We have a school building, we're able to go to school. And if we use our bodies correctly, then 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 things will be really hunky-dory, great, wonderful, and we'll be fulfilling our purposes. When we choose not to, that um, we ourselves, our societies, our world gets into a lot of trouble. One of the other ideas just about being created physically and spiritually perfect is that one of the Kabbalists, Rabbi Vidal Hatzor Fati, says that God effected the bulk of creation through intermediate forces. Okay, But when it came to man, we know from Bereshit that God created man directly and he attended to him himself. In fact, we're told that Adam was created from the earth. That was found at Mount Maria. Mount Maria was is the place where the temple stood, and the temple is destined to be built again. And the reason why we used God used that material, He could have taken dust from anywhere. Why did He choose the clay, the dust from Harha Maria, from Mount Maria? It's an allusion to the fact that God prepared man to be a dwelling place for His sacred presence. And this can only, only be possible if man recognizes his potential greatness and he lives up to the destiny which God prepared him for. That's just what it is. And I was actually having a conversation with a whole bunch of ladies, maybe a week or two ago, we were having a share and just talking about stuff. And there is now, honestly, a lot of medical evidence that is coming out and showing that and this happens to be in the realm of women, but it applies across the board. That our hormonal systems, our ability to be to 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 reproduce and have children, and the cycles through which a woman go, if they are untempered with, and we go with the natural cycles of what it's supposed to be, then health ensues. Um, and a lot. And this is not from Torah. This is not from even Jewish doctors. It was actually this whole theory was. Um, seen by various um, non-Jewish doctors in just studies that women are suffering from so many illnesses today because um, we go around saying we are the masters of our body. We will tell our bodies when to have children, when not to have children, what medication to take, what medication not to take. We'll decide when, how, what, On Absolutely everything, and again, I'm not saying that we have no right and no say in the matter, but we've taken it so far, we've swung the pendulum so far um, in our control of what it is that we want, that it actually works against us. It works against us. And I'll give you just one example, and there are many, and I'm not going to spend the whole show, but one of the questions that a woman is asked when they when when you go for your yearly um, uh, mammogram is when was when was your first pregnancy when was the first time that you gave birth and did you breastfeed and I remember asking the doctor like what difference does it make when I had my first kid and did I feed or not and he told me a worldwide study had just come out and it showed that women who had uh, their first pregnancy before I think it was the age of 25 or maybe it was a little less than that I can't remember the exact thing and 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 the, and um, they, they breastfed their baby um, the, the incidence of breast cancer actually came down substantially so and I said to the doctor why is that he said because there is a cycle there is a natural cycle there is an inbuilt hormonal clock. And natural way that a woman's body functions, and if it's untampered and we follow that flow, there is much you know we're we're, we're following how God wanted to be, and health ensues. This is obviously on a general level, but it is a, it's a concept we need to understand, and this is what King David is saying: asuni your hands made me, and you prepared me, and together with." The spiritual Make me understand So I may learn your commandments He's saying I need to Understand, I need to study I need to analyze the spiritual dimensions Of what my limbs, my organs Mean so then then I will be able To discover each and every Particular commandment for which each and every Limb has been prepared We are, we are multidimensional and, and each part of us, physical And spiritual, emotional, and mental are different gradations of the same thing of the same world, <clears throat> and so we affect each one by the way we behave in whichever sphere you are working. Now we've just finished Parashat Lech Lecha, um, Abraham, who was our forefather, the first guy who observed all the to- all the commandments of the Torah long before God made them mandatory, and. Uh, Abraham was able, he was eager And he learned how to serve God By looking at the natural world around him And once he started Understanding that there was a creator Once he started seeing the synchronicity Of this world, once he started Seeing the divine imprint in this world Once he started seeing that he himself Was a divine imprint Of a much greater force He was able then To learn the mitzvahs without even getting the Torah without it being put in black and white as we have it today. Today we've been served up on a platter. And God rewarded his determination um, with, with much success, of course. And he basically, Avraham discovered, uncovered rather, the essence of the mitzvahs long before they became incumbent upon us because he had the insight, the ability, the, the willingness to explore and to understand what it is. That that, that 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 Torah was all about, what it is that made up our world, how did the world exist and why. And really that's truthfully us then finding our purpose. If we go about doing it, we'll actually see all the reasons for all our 248 limbs and organs, our 365 sinews, why the world works in the way that it does. Can you just imagine in a real perfect world if everybody – just followed their purpose and did what they had to do, we would truly be living a very, very inspiring and powerful life. Verse 74 reads, the, reads as follows, echa ve'is machu. Those who revue, re, revere you, those who fear you, you will see me, shall, shall see me and rejoice. Ki because I put hope in your world. So King David, following on what he was saying um, before, was that when you teach me, that's what he said in the last verse, make me understand and let me learn your commandments. Once you see me understand your mitzvahs and fulfill them properly, I know that I will be successful in all my ways. And then those who see me will rejoice in knowing and, and understanding that what I'm doing is, is, is right. And the Midrash again comes here and says that the people of Israel rejoiced when they saw their king or leader occupy themselves with Torah. And the Talmud continues to say that David's success as a king was because of his outstanding ability in teaching Torah. They say that David, King David, was Gali Mesechta, meaning that his Torah lessons were precise, they were clear, they were understandable. And he explained matters to his listeners, and they were able to comprehend them very easily, very readily, without much confusion. And that's why David says, And those who fear you shall see me, meaning they shall see me teaching the Torah. They'll understand that what I'm teaching is true, and they shall rejoice. Just by the way, King Saul, King Shaul, on the other hand, lacked the ability to teach Torah the way King David did. And that really says the Talmud was the root of his failure as, uh, as Israel's monarch. One of the other things that we need to understand is that people ordinarily are jealous of the material success of, 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 of other people. Why? Because a person who's envious, that envious observer— doesn't necessarily understand why the other fellow needs to be blessed with more good fortune than he. So we always like, look, with, God forbid, a negative eye and being jealous. King David says that here people will not begrudge him success. They will rejoice. Why? Because the spiritual nature of his success will be evident. They will realize that David succeeded only by virtue of the tremendous effort that others can duplicate his success by duplicating his effort. So really, this is what it is that he was saying. Verse 75 reads, I know, Hashem, that your judgment is righteous. We've, and you have afflicted me in good faith. We've had this discussion on many occasions when we're looking at King David's um, Tehillim. We know that David always resigned himself to the perfect Righteousness of God's judgments. Okay. Even when he was dethroned by his rebellious son, David made no protest because he knew it was the will of God. And if you go look at Tehillim number three, Psalm number three, you will see that he even composed a Psalm of praise in appreciation of the equity of God's judgment. He said, thank you. And we've had this discussion and, um, you know, please go back onto the podcast, I think, last week. In Tehillim number nine, we were speaking about the word tov and that God is good and that everything that he does is good. This is following the theme that King David was saying, I deserved the suffering which God caused me to endure and they always made me better than uh, what it is that that, that was happening. So that really is what what uh, the, verse 75 is saying. Now, there is a pretty interesting idea um, about <clears throat> this verse that I want to share with you. It's a story in the Gomorrah. And I've got a Zora, if you're interested, in page 55a. It elaborates on this concept. It says that there was a man called Zurin. And he questioned Rabbi Akiva, said to Rabbi Akiva, both you and I know full well that the the idols that are around are completely lifeless and impotent. But it does happen that sometimes a cripple will come before the idol to seek a cure, and he will walk away healthy and whole. How do we explain this phenomenon? This is this guy, Zurin that's answering Rabbi Akiva. And it says, Rabbi Akiva replied, I can explain this point with a parable. An exceptionally honest man was deeply respected and trusted by all, and his fellow townsmen would give him articles for safekeeping. No one bothered to have two witnesses to verify the transaction. Now, once a certain person deposited articles with this trustworthy man, but insisted on having two witnesses to verify the transaction. And this continued time and time again, and it appeared that the person really did not trust this honest man that he was leaving the stuff with. One day, the person gave him an article for safekeeping, and he neglected to have witnesses watch the transaction. The honest man's wife, the guy who was keeping the possession, said, This is our chance to spite him. Let us deny that he ever gave us this article for safekeeping. But the honest man refused to listen to her, and he argued, Just because he suspects us should we betray our tradition of strict honesty. So says Rabbi Akiva, the same concept can be applied to the understanding of the forces in control of human suffering. When these forces are sent to afflict man, the heavenly tribunal makes them, makes them take a solemn oath that they will visit affliction at a specific time and cease at a specific time. Moreover, the forces of suffering must swear not to desist from their mission until a specific moment on a specific day. If the victim of affliction um, should, by chance, enter the idolatrous temple at a specific moment designated for the forces of affliction to depart, the first inclination of these forces is not to depart, so that it should not appear as if the idol effected a cure. Moreover, the forces reconsider and say, "Just because this fool entered the pagan temple, should we therefore forsake our trustworthiness and breach our oath of faithful service?" And this is how Rabbi Akiva explained to this man Zurin that sometimes you will see people doing foolish things and having a blessing. One has nothing to do with the other. The the things of suffering had a specific day, a specific time, and whether or not he walked into the pagan temple or not, he would have been cured. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And we are studying chapter 119, all the verses that start with the letter Yud, and we're on verse 76. Verse 76 reads as follows, May your kindness comfort me. Meaning that King David didn't allow himself to be overwhelmed by the afflictions. He was comforted in the fact that he knew that God was being kind. And we've had this discussion many, many times that um, we know, we should know, we should try understand, we should practice in Munah that everything that Hashem gives us is for the good. Ki as you promised your servant. And yeah, you can see that many, many times uh, King David saw that after much aggravation, trial and tribulation, God came through with him and fulfilled all what he promised and that, that King David's um, royal royal line will remain eternal, which it has. Verse 77 reads, rachamecha may your mercies come upon me so that I, I may live. Now, one of the things that Sforno brings out, which is, um, you know, of, of much truth, it says that the exercise of leadership is very draining. So anybody who knows um, what it's like to be a leader in whatever sphere, be it as a community leader, um, as, a, as, as a leader in business, as a leader in any social causes, it can be draining, it can be burdensome, and it often could, God forbid, shorten a person's lifespan. In fact, here's something very interesting um, the Talmud says, woe unto those in Rabbanut in authority, because such a position can bury those who occupy it. So King David asks God to mercifully save him from the occupational hazards of being a leader. Yev'uni um, rachamecha may your mercies come upon me so that I may live. And then he says, ki toratcha sha'ashu'ai, for your Torah is my preoccupation. Um, and um, King David asks God to strengthen him and to give him the ability, the wherewithal to, to carry the mantle of authority, to carry the mantle of leadership and allow him to bring him into um, that place where he is a, an example and something that everybody would look up to. Verse seventy-eight reads: Yevoishu Zadim, kisheke Iftuni, May the willful sinners be shamed, for they have maligned me with lies. We know that uh, King David, uh, King David's detractors were terrible. They constantly tried to embarrass him publicly. They yelled at him and 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 tried to bring him in dis- to disrepute with saying that he. Um, they accused him of committing adultery with Bathsheba, um and. Basically, King David is praying that they be trapped by their own libel and put to shame by their own deeds. And he finishes off by saying, I will discuss your precepts, meaning for David, it didn't matter what was going on on the outside. The reality he had, his compass, his moral compass, his paradigm, his absolute truth was Torah. And he functioned like that even if the entire world told him that he was drunk um, and that, you know, things weren't weren't working his way. I only discuss your precepts. I'm the one that really only worries about what God wants me to do. May they return to me, those who fear you. Meaning this verse our rabbis teach alerts, alludes to David's conduct with Bathsheba. Because he did not commit adultery with her because she was already divorced from her husband. But nevertheless, there was a trace of sinful intent that clung to him. And so King David begs God to purge him of all the last vestiges of sin and for the purification he was prepared to suffer. And the Talmud actually goes and says that King David was plagued with leprosy for six months. And during that time, the Holy Spirit had departed from him. The Sanhedrin, which is the, the Jewish court, the, the high court, all the members spurned him. And so King David asks God, Yashuv li yere'echa, may they return to me those who fear you. He's asking that he wants back the company of his colleagues of the great Sanhedrin, um, which he describes here in this verse as those who fear God. Um And those who know your testimonies So the Maharsha Which is a commentator in Sanhedrin Explains that when David was plagued with his leprosy And he was isolated from, from human company He keenly missed two basic spiritual requirements First, he couldn't pray as part of a minyan As a quorum of ten men And regarding this he said the first part of the verse, li echa, may they return to me those who fear you. And the second was that he couldn't study Torah with a Chavrusah because no one would approach him. And therefore, he asks Hashem to return him, the edvotecha, to return me to those who know your Torah, those who are intelligent and knowledgeable and can be study partners. He found it exceedingly painful that he was isolated during that period um, when he was plagued with leprosy, but in the same breath, the verse before he recognized that this was part of his affliction to clear him of any any small intent that might have looked wrong when it came to Batsheva. And finally, the the last verse is Yehili bi'tamin bechukecha, may I wholeheartedly be with your statutes, leman lo evosh, so that I may not be ashamed. David did not want to be affected by the distorted views of the people out by him. He wanted to remain tamim. He wanted to remain wholehearted. And the Midrash says that every person knows that um, in his heart, he'll know if he sinned and he can be ashamed of it. So King David says, Please allow me to remain whole, single hearted with everything. That I do and allow me to be immersed in the study of your Torah. Don't allow the evil inclination to assault me. Don't allow me to fall into error. Don't allow me to come into humiliation. I don't want to be embarrassed. And that is something very, very important. And I think important in our lives as well, that we conduct our lives and we do what we do in order that we have a, a good standing Um, amongst people that there isn't this thing of, you know, feeling humiliated or, or embarrassed or ignored or mocked. It's something that, that you need to work with, work for and something to an extent that you need to pray for because it, it generally isn't that easy. So these are the verses of the, of chapter. Chapter Yud, not, not chapter Yud, chapter 119, the verses that start with the letter Yud. Yud again, something very insignificant, very small, but really something that remains the foundation of, of who we are. We might be very small, but look what we did even last Shabbat. Each and every one of us individually playing our part in this magnificent Shabbos project caused Shabbos to be kept sure. I don't think the, the the amount of Jews that kept Shabbos last week ever um, we kept Shabbos cumulatively like that since since I don't know the going out of Egypt or by the base of Megdash or really thousands of years um, uh, ago and that's really something important. Torah looks at each and every single Jew and say you are important and we pray and we ask through. King David's tell him that we remain steadfast to the Torah, that we, we don't get embarrassed, that we're not pulled down, that we remain tamim, we remain wholehearted with God. And with that, all of God's abundant blessings can um, flow into our lives. And on that note, I wish you a wonderful week, um, an inspiring week. And please, God, I will be back with you next Monday.